0: All right, team, let's get ready for the pre-race cheer. Ready? Yes, yes, sir! Ready? Yes, sir! All right. One,
1: two, three, two. Now, I'm the king of the swingers, whoa, oh, the jungle VIP. I've reached the top and had to stop, and that's what's bothering me. Feel the rhythm,
2: feel the rhyme,
1: get on up, it's
2: podcast time! Hello and welcome, you're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox.
0: And I'm Kyle Skinner.
2: And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode we will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us or play along on Twitter at mouse madness pod. Send us an email at mouse podcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's gang at patreon.com slash mouse madness.
0: Chris, we're back for part two of the best Disney sports movie. Uh, the best one's already out in the love bug. So we can probably just wrap this thing up. Uh, this is swerve, a pointless swerve, podcast swerve. now swerve, because swerve, Herbie swerve. is gone. Um, uh, Gone bananas, should I say. But I had a lot of fun last time. I think that there's going to still be a lot to talk about because some of the obvious picks, we kind of brushed upon some of the storylines. We didn't really dive too far into it. So I'm really excited to, to be back and talk more sports, which is something that this podcast was kind of born out of.
2: Totally. We've got a lot of great movies still left on the board, and to help us break it down, we've got Kyle Reeves back on the show. Kyle, welcome back.
1: Thank you. Thank you for uh, for having me back, inviting me back after uh, we so unceremoniously sent the love bug uh, yeah. down the road. Brutal.
2: Uh, Kyle, are you still feeling good about sending the D2 Mighty Ducks home in the tiebreak on the last episode?
1: <laughs> I haven't slept for a week. Um <laughs> Okay. But okay. I think I made the right decision.
2: Okay, for sure. Um, all right. Well, well uh, before we get into things, uh, let's talk Spoonful of Sugar. Kyle Skinner, what do you got?
0: Yep. Uh, back-to-back weeks of me not being prepared to do this. So, I promise that in the next recording, I'm going to double up on some home cocktails. But this time, mm-hmm. I'm back with another Stella. Because uh, it's what's left in my fridge. For whatever reason, we had a bunch of friends stay over back in December. And the beer of choice was to get a bunch of Stellas and then no one drank them. So now I just had like 24 Stellas in my fridge and slowly working our way through. So I think we only have like three left after this one. But cheers to you. What you got?
2: So uh, last week I had my Ducks jersey on. I had my Angels hat on. And it was my mission to rock a sports logo from some of the teams represented on this bracket while we're recording this episode. So I went to grab my Tampa Bay Rays hat in yep. my closet and I realized that I had thrown it in the trash. <laughs> uh, at some point during my tenure as a as a Yankees boy, I I got really upset, I guess, and got rid of my Rays hat. So sure. I went with the hat closest to me and it was my ucsb gaucho's baseball hat so i decided to go full santa barbara boy with it and i cracked myself open a nice 805 from firestone walker brewing co it's a santa barbara classic i got my backwater billy surf shirt on and i'm just just (laughs) feeling like i'm 19 again on dp at geo's pizza it's great uh kyle reeves what do you got
1: uh last week target let me down and didn't have my my favorite drink mix from uh from Mio but this week we got strawberry watermelon drink mix with my water so uh feeling good yum
2: staying hydrated for the rest of us I love it I have um, a Mio
0: story so there was uh we went to kind of sports related I guess fully sports related I went to uh what's called Dollar Days up here Dollar Days is a day at the uh, Golden Gate Fields racetrack, horse racing track, in which you can get in for a dollar and you get drinks for a dollar for the entire day, basically. You get these little dollar Hmm. tokens. And uh, at the A's at the time, they used to do a a yearly trip to Dollar Days where we would dress up as we're going to the Kentucky Derby and drink the $1 beers that they had uh, to give out. So we went and it was Natty Light. That was the, the keg of choice for this dollar a day. And one of our buddies walked around with a little bottle of Mio. And he was convinced. He was like, this Natty Light becomes extremely drinkable <laughs> when you put some of this blue Mio in there. And like, by that point, you've had $5 beers and you're like, okay, I can see it. So we're sitting there. Everyone has blue liquid in their cups. And this lady walks up to us and she goes, where'd you guys get the amfs and we're like <laughs> there's not amfs at the racetrack one and two uh it's just natty light and Mio. would you like some she's like no <laughs> <And> <laughs> so uh i'm a big big Mayo supporter uh and i'm glad well, that you're rocking it here
2: i got a, i got a Mio slash santa barbara story okay. for you uh we used to go to ralph's and, and get groceries yep once a week uh, when Scott Pulaski was my roommate, and we went one day, and like, I don't really know what goes on in Scott's brain sometimes, but <laughs> he must have bought like seventy five dollars worth of groceries, but he stole a Mio. It was like it was like he bought the groceries, but the Mio, he was like he just didn't want to buy the Mio, but he still wanted it, so he like put it in his pocket, but paid for the rest of his groceries. He um, so spare. we had a Mio. We had a Mio on our in our apartment on El Greco. And when we would pour like vodka shots, we'd we'd squirt a little Mio in it to make it like red. Uh, It didn't help the flavor very much, but you know.
0: Sure. Sure. It's fancy.
2: Um, all right. We got some listener feedback. Uh, before we start talking about sports again. We we just finished up our best of twenty twenty-one bracket a few weeks ago, and and we had a very uh passionate response. (laughs) And Kyle, uh, why don't you enlighten us?
0: Yeah. So I wanted to read this earlier on the first part of this bracket, but we knew that we were going to be diving into some movies. So I saved it for part two here. Uh, and this comes from our, one of our listeners and former guest host, Marissa, who was also very recently on the podcast right before the best of 2021. And, uh, this is, this is the feedback. So she, she starts it off with saying, okay, 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 buckle up. I'm writing <laughs> this after an intense day. said, so, okay, here we go. So <laughs> literally buckle up. I'm currently listening to the debate of Harmonious and Jungle Cruise, and it is now paused. Harmonious being the nighttime spectacular, Jungle Cruise being the film with the rock in it. You already know that I am a Harmonious stan, and I still am. I watched Harmonious at first online before heading to WDW, and I was underwhelmed. But boy, when I saw Harmonious in person, it slapped. It fit Epcot so well. After a day at Epcot, it features all the areas you were just at. The title is Harmonious. The focus is the music and not actually the visuals. That's why the barges don't really matter. They're just there for show and not exactly the focal point of the show. It is a perfect blend of everything, especially compared to the other shows that featured for the 50th that they, were, that they just put out there. Kite Tales and Enchantment are both flops because it doesn't represent the park as well, but Harmonious is it. In Harmonious, here we go. Our listeners love some stats, baby. I love it. In Harmonious, there are 15 songs, 13 languages, and 240 musical artists. Like holy sh- the finale song features the song Someday, obviously, from the Hunchback of Notre Dame and the musical, Hunchback of Notre Dame musical. And some of the lyrics are, someday we are wiser when the world's old, when we have learned. Uh, I pray someday that we may yet live and let live. Someday life will be fair. Need will be rarer and greed will not pay. Godspeed, this bright millennium. On its way and let it come someday. If these, that's the end of that lyric. If these lyrics don't move you, especially after 2020 and leading into 2021, I don't know what to tell you. Harmonious is the best thing of 2021. Even as humans, we aren't perfect, but we can still somehow, some way, come together. When I came back to Disneyland after months of it being shut down, I didn't cry. None of the shows at Disneyland made me cry. I'm an emotional person and I'm not scared to admit it, but I sobbed like a baby during Harmonious. The show is a message of strength and possibility that even though there's a lot of things in the world right now, there are still good and good people out there. And that's what everyone needs. That's what needs to be reminded to every single person in the world. It took me 20 minutes to type this out. So I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for coming to my TikTok. talk. And I resp- this was via text. And so I responded like I knew this was coming one because I knew you're a big Harmonious fan, uh, but I, I love it. I love the feedback. I can see how the soundtrack is supposed to play the bigger part in the show because the barges sit there and don't, as we saw, don't add a ton to it. However, the barges were created to be seen and what we see isn't great. And I think, that's, and that's my the take. point
2: of a nighttime spectacular is it's like a visual show.
0: Sure. I can appreciate the love for the soundtrack. I did look into it and see how much work went into it and how they brought all of the different representing groups together and and chose folks from the countries that were represented to sing those parts. So I do love that. That's It represents World Showcase well. Um, but as far as things that happened in 2021, the soundtrack's not going to just take the dub. So that I think that's where it falls apart.
2: Anytime something is themed to music, I find it such like a layup, you know, especially sure. like Disney, like they have so much music like that is such an easy thing to do. Yeah. Like, let's theme it to all the best Disney music. Well, yeah, duh. Like, it's already themed to all the best Disney music. Like, what else are you going to use? You know? Yeah. Uh, so I'm sorry. I don't. I. I. The. Just didn't didn't move me, I think, in the way that it moved her. <laughs> but I'm, but. Glad that it,
0: I'm glad that it moved you, Marissa. And I'm glad that you love it as much as you do because we all have our shows and our our rituals and our parks habits that we really love that probably don't equate to others. So uh, if you also loved Harmonious, if you didn't like it, if you love something else, if you just want to hit us up, you know how to do it. Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on social. Leave us this feedback. We'll read it on the show just like that. Uh, Marissa, thank you so much. And I you know, hope to one day experience it in person and see if I can get the feels just like you.
2: All right. Let's pick up this best sports movie conversation. We're in the round of eight. We've got the number one seed, Mighty Ducks versus number eight, The Rookie. Number 13, Queen of Katwe versus number 12, The Greatest Game Ever Played. Number two, Remember the Titans versus number seven, Invincible. And number three, Cool Runnings versus number six, Miracle. I started us off last week. Kyle Skinner, why don't you start us off this week?
0: All righty. First matchup. It's the number one, The Mighty Ducks versus number eight, The Rookie. We don't need to really dive in too much further into either of these because as we said, we've talked about The Mighty Ducks quite a bit. I go back and just listen to any of those brackets in which we talked about those films. Um, And I dove in pretty deeply about The Rookie. Didn't really talk about how uh, during this time of, you know, the early 2000s, it felt like if you made a sports movie, Dennis Quaid had to be involved in it somehow. And suddenly he's shown his face yet again in this uh, this Kurt Warner football movie that just came out recently over the holiday season. Dennis Quaid, he's back in it. He's he's the sports movie boy. I don't get it, but. Here he is again, being the star of this show. The cast of high school players is wonderful. I love them. I love their personalities. Uh, the The kid that plays Rudy, uh, he's the like Latino player with the kind of like afro and the big smile. that dude, I loved him as an actor in this era because he was in all kinds of things, including one of my favorite all-time comfort movies, Roll Bounce, (laughs) for some some reason. He's one of the skaters in Roll Bounce. Uh, So I think that they did a really good job overall in casting this. Uh, You also get the little kid that ends up being the kid in Two and a Half Men for all of those years as Dennis Quaid's son. yeah. Which was, you know, he was on his way to to TV fame and getting that money. Uh, And then, fun fact about Royce Clayton, he was also <laughs> in uh Moneyball. <laughs> he was one of the Yeah, oh, wow. I, I, I oh, can't wow. remember which player he plays um on the A's, but he was in Moneyball, so there's there's that, y'all. Um really strong baseball movie, especially in what feels like a really heavily football dominated bracket here. <laughs> it feels like every one of these movies had some sort of uh baseball reference to it. I think that the, the beginning threw me a little bit like him moving around and feeling like they set it up as if like this kid was never going to get good or never pursue baseball because he moved around so much due to his dad's involvement in the military. But then maybe I missed it, but it felt like that storyline fell off and became not important anymore. Am I right? To you're say talking that?
2: about you're talking about the lead, Jim. Uh, yeah, Jim Morris. Jimmy. I yes, I felt that in general the idea that he was like a somewhat valued prospect was glossed over, um, and he was drafted by the Yankees out of high school, and then the following year was drafted by the Brewers in the first round of something called the like January. Second phase draft, or something that I was I had never heard of before. Weird. Um, but it's basically like a Juco draft, and he was the fourth overall pick, uh, by the Brewers. And I mean, I, I don't think he was like a top prospect or anything, but like he was he did have experience like pitching in the minor leagues before, okay. Um, but it felt like this story was kind of positioning him as like a random who just picked up a baseball and threw super hard.
0: Yeah, they definitely... They talked about him being very good and successful until his injury, but they glossed over it so quickly to keep that storyline of like, small town guy can throw in the upper 80s and got his chance because he showed it, showed out at a tryout, right? Yep. Also, what felt really weird about this film is that there was a very obvious first and second half where, like, we're really yes. invested in this high school baseball team and like them being good and and coming together as a team and and playing well. The field gets rejuvenated, the life comes back to this baseball town, and then we kind of just like st- stop caring about it because they win their championship, and then the focus is back just only on Jim Morris. It felt kind of disjointed especially for a Disney film where like the cast of characters and this like clan of what feels like nobodies or underdogs usually rides and dies till the very end. You get that in the way that the high school team supports Jim when Jim makes it big, but it felt weird that there was an obvious like curtain call intermission and then we went into the majors and so, or at least his pursuing of the majors. Definitely. So I don't know that I really... Enjoyed that portion of it so much. Sure. Um, But it did give me a chance to get up and like go to the bathroom and not have to miss a ton (laughs) in the middle of the movie. Because
2: (laughs) Pretty sure I did the exact same thing.
0: Because once they win, it's like, great. All right, now he's got to try out. But we're going to have this moment of him being like, "Ah, I don't think I should. So I'm going to go to the bathroom and then come back and he's going to be trying out. That's exactly what happened. Uh, I still think that as far as Disney sports movies, You know, this is a really solid one. You nailed it when you said that at this era of live action filmmaking for Disney, it was just like Jerry Bruckheimer. It was just like yellow and very cinematic (laughs) and gritty, and and things are, you know, like almost like so down to earth that they're no longer down to earth in the in the way that he's desaturating everything. But that's also kind of what I remember out of Disney sports movies. There's the, like what feels low budget 90s sports movies, even the mighty ducks feels that way. And then there's like the two thousands, like Disney got that money after the Disney decade in the nineties. And now they're putting it towards their live action films and they're making it uber cinematic to the point where it's like, you're kind of taking us out of reality. Now we liked it when the kids were making fart jokes and stuff back in the nineties, what's happening here but i think i'm still going to side with the mighty ducks. i think that it it feels more magical. i think you're going to touch upon this a lot in in this bracket you kind of hinted at it at the end of the last last part 1. but it just feels like this a much better underdog story. it feels like there's a little magic associated with it. granted it's not the maybe the best shot sports movie, but the fact that the plot and the character development all revolves around the involve all revolves around their participation in the sport of hockey. I really liked, so I'm going to move the number one seat on.
2: Um, I want to go even further into the rookie here. I'm glad you called out that, um, element of him being positioned as just this guy, you know, he's just, he's just a dude like you and me. And, and I think that was the point. And that's, america's pastime you know like that's this idea that like baseball is this american sport and what makes it american is that little kids play it and if they just play for long enough and hard enough they can go to high school and play and then college and play and then low a and play and double a and you just keep grinding and you too can become a billionaire like elon musk (laughs) it's like it's it's as baseball it's as american as apple pie you know the the and not only does it have that kind of like opportunistic aspect of it, the American dream aspect, but it, in this movie, it's depicted in this little small town, you know, it can happen anywhere and, and anyone can do it. Um, and that's something I think this movie does really well mm-hmm. is that it, it positions Jimmy, As like a as a folk as a folk hero, and that is reflected in the music specifically, which was one of my favorite parts about this movie. Okay, can we talk about
0: the music really quick though? Because whoever got their hands on a recorder went way too hard during the score. No, I needed less. Less recorder. Oh my god.
2: Okay, shout out to Carter Burwell, (laughs) who did music on this movie, who uh, has a a great career as a composer. Most notably is a frequent Coen Brothers collaborator Uh, and has scored films such as Fargo, The Big Lebowski, and No Country for Old Men. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, So this dude is a pro and he does this acoustic guitar mixed with like a flute. Yeah. That... I just absolutely
0: love oh, man. it's got
2: that kind of it's it, it feels like a it feels like I'm in an enchanted fairy forest I'm not gonna lie and it's like I get it's I'm getting ocarina. big like brave vibes from it you know <laughs> little Celtic
0: sure okay it all makes sense now.
2: little little Robin hoodie you know and sure. like and you know that's the point it's real it's real folky Um, But then on top of it, you've got a few uh, country music jams. You've got some Guy Clark, some Willie Nelson, some John Fogarty, and it all kind of like, you know, creates this, like I said, blue collar experience and this uh, folk story that anything is possible if you work hard enough. Yeah. I think that's the way a lot of people see baseball. Obviously, I think for us that are so close to the game, sometimes it's hard to, it's hard to think about baseball in that way. When, when all I see is the big lights, you know, and the, and the big plays and the big personalities and the big money, um, it can be, it can be easy for me to forget that the majority of the game is played on fields like this. Yeah, totally. All in all, like I try to not like baseball movies. Like I actively will, will watch a baseball movie and be like, I really don't want to like this (laughs) just because I'm naturally kind of a contrarian and this, you know, a, a popular sports social media brand that I will not name Will do like rankings, tweets, and be like, "Here's the top ten baseball movies ever made," and then right. the whole internet argues about it, right? Yeah. Um, and most of them, I, I don't really like. And like, it's a it's a common like conversation topic in baseball. It's like, oh, do you like lot? Do you like Field of Dreams? Like, do you like Rookie of the Year, or whatever? And and I kind of don't like any of them very much, <sighs> except for Rookie of the Year. Okay. Rookie of the Year uh, belongs in the Smithsonian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I went into the rookie, and I was like. This is just another movie that I don't want to like, and I really loved it. Um, and I don't know if that's because we're in the like, dog days of the offseason or what, but, man, it made me miss baseball a lot. Mm. A lot. Some more um, baseball fun facts in The Rookie. I lo- I'm glad that you brought up Royce Clayton, Forever Giant Royce Clayton. <laughs> but uh, you know who else was in this movie? It's Joe Blanton. And I do not understand Why? Because Joe Blanton, at the time this movie was filmed, was like playing baseball at University of Kentucky. And he's like in the Tampa Bay Rays bullpen in this movie. And he even like goes out and pitches. So and I, I don't understand how so or why.
0: I, when they go to Blanton on the mound and the, the PA dude announces his name, I was like, there's no way. Joe Blanton Joe was
2: never on the race. No,
0: which is why I was like, there's no way. So I didn't look into it. But you're telling me that... But they
2: show him. They show him in the bullpen, like stand up and like walk towards the mound to start warming up.
0: So bizarre. I wonder... And I looked, I like Googled
2: it. I was like, Joe Blanton, Tampa Bay Rays, the rookie. And there's not a single post on the internet that is talking about this. I feel like I'm a conspiracy theorist right now. Like, what, <laughs> like... What is there's a story here that I would love to know. Like, was this like an Easter egg when Joe Bland was like a draft prospect and he they just like were like, hey, bro, like you want to be in this movie
0: or wherever they filmed? Like, they it was
2: filmed in Arlington, obviously. Like they were there.
0: They grabbed whoever was around. So strange. I I don't know.
2: That is a hundred percent Joe Bland too. I like I'm like. Is that just a guy that looks like Joe Blant? That is Joe Blant. Wow. Bizarre. So weird. Um, anyways, in addition to like all of this baseball stuff, there's a lot of that, you know, good sports movie stuff too. He's an underdog. Uh, the odds seem absolutely impossible for him. He's got a lot of naysayers in his life. He's got his dad and his wife who, yeah. who really say, you can't do this. And that is a really common thing in, in a Disney sports movie is the people that say it simply cannot be done. And, and that just makes the win so much sweeter. It, in the
0: end. it feels like in like sports movies in general, the wife is either super locked in or super opposed to whatever their spouse's. Trying to accomplish, never in between. Never just like a, a supporter of like you, you go, yeah, you go, you, you go do your thing. It's always like, no, you better not. Remember last time, remember blah blah blah. Or it's like, I'm coaching alongside you.
2: <laughs> yeah. And she what she has one of my favorite lines out of any of these movies. She says, You can't eat dreams. <laughs> like Well, I've never heard it put that way, but (laughs) sure, (laughs) you cannot eat dreams.
0: You're telling me that we have the most quotable movie of all time in Miracle, and your favorite one is You Can't Eat Dreams.
2: Come on, man. You can't (laughs) eat dreams. I'm going to start saying that to people. Uh, Uh, The Rookie's going up against Mighty Ducks. I mean like I would love to like keep advancing the rookie down into this bracket because I enjoyed it so much, but up against the mighty ducks, I just can't do it. I mean, if, if the rookie was up against queen of Kataway, maybe, mm. uh, if, if it was up against the greatest game ever played, probably, mm. but up against the mighty ducks, they just can't do it. Uh, mighty ducks just has a little bit of everything. Uh, and and it's gonna be really hard to to see it go down like at all in totally. this bracket. So I'm advancing the Mighty Ducks over the rookie Kyle Reeves. Do you agree with the rookie going down? I know you like that movie.
1: Uh, I agree with it though. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and and I think and and Kyle touched on this a little bit himself too. You know, the rookie it tells two stories. You know, it tells a story about him as a coach and him as a player, and those are two good stories, but. I think it lacked a little bit of focus that maybe could have pushed it over the top if it was one great story. And you know, it's it's not a knock against it, it tells it's a true story. You know, we we talked about yeah. this in in the in the first episode of this in the first round and um how Disney takes these true stories and turns them into inspirational movies. Um and in the case of in the case of the Rookie versus Mighty Ducks, I think having the freedom to, to wrap up the Mighty Ducks in a neat little bow with them winning the championship, um, having so much higher stakes than, um, than striking out uh, a batter in an August game. Um, <laughs> I think that, that helps push it over the top.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, that is also very true. Uh, uh,
2: that that 2002 Rays team, actually, what well, they were like the 99 Rays team. I'm pretty sure they lost 100 games that year, and it was a <laughs> six to one loss. I mean, that's why
0: they up. called up this old man to come pitch in the bullpen in August. They're like, we're we're out of here. Um, Chris, before we move on, you brushed upon your baseball movie takes, and now I'm interested. I want to hear because I myself think that The Sandlot is an overrated film. And when it comes to top sports movies or top baseball films, I don't know that it's up there as it would be for other people.
2: Yeah, Sandlot's so overrated. <laughs> it's not bad. It just, I just find it extremely overrated. It's like the first movie out of people's mouths when they talk about baseball movies.
1: Carl Reeves, you too? Uh, it definitely has that nostalgic factor to yeah. it I think that brings people to overrated in their minds and people could probably tell me the exact same thing about the Mighty Ducks and I will lie to them and say that's not the truth. <laughs> I,
2: yeah, Rookie of the Year is definitely my favorite. Sure. Like for sure. Um
1: Yeah.
0: I love that. It's of the got
2: year. it's got the it's just way funnier. I don't way know. Way
0: funnier. Um also the Sandlot was the alternate movie that substitutes would roll in. Uh, if it was, if we already watched Remember the Titans in that year, then we're going to watch The Sandlot with substitute number two. <laughs> For sure. It was
1: national treasure at my school, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. Let's move on.
2: Number 13, Queen of Katwe versus number 12, The Greatest Game Ever Played. Uh, these movies do two things, I think, really well, and that is they try to make the comment that I find really accurate. And that is when you step onto the court, onto the field, into the ring, into the gym, up to the chessboard. That is the great equalizer. In anything else, your race, your background, your height, your weight sometimes, none of that matters. Yep. It's just you, the competitor, Mano we mano, yep. you know, and uh, and that's one of my favorite things about sport and, and why I like to continue playing sports um, and, and being physically active is it's is, is it's a way to to try and separate yourself from from some of those other things that you might carry, um, because it's like I said, it's it's an even playing field. Um, and, and the greatest game ever played does that on the golf course where, like I said, there's some definitely some class issues that still exist today. And it's the same at Queen of Katwe. Fiona is from Uganda and does not attend school. Uh, and, and she's going up against these private school kid and acts, absolutely murks them. Yeah. Like embarrasses them. Uh, the best, the best of the best. And so uh, I, I think the themes of these movies are very similar. Um, so in in my head they profile very much the same. I think when when we're thinking about like that element of magic, that element of doing the impossible, I feel like Queen of Katwe does a better job with that because Francis we met has been a little golf boy his whole life.
0: <laughs> little golf boy, you know? Francis, dude. <laughs> his whole life, little golf boy.
2: He he met uh, Harry Varder. When he was a little kid, and like he's been golfing in his bedroom, uh, making putts late at night. Uh, (laughs) he's been a caddy, he's been, you know, playing golf in secret at the course that he caddies at. This this dude putts, dude. This dude putts. This this dude putts. (laughs) So, yes, like there is so much for him to overcome when it comes to like class. And I mean, like the difference in skill between someone who plays every day and also a professional who plays every day like is great you know like i could go play golf every day and i still will never be anywhere close to as good as uh brooks kepka is at golf you know like no no chance no matter how long i do it sure um but at least francis we met seems to be in a more realistic position to like compete at that level than someone like fiona does in queen of cottwe I mean, Fiona has every single card possible stacked against her. Uh, so we see, there's a very emotional scene where she's locked out of her home mm-hmm. uh, and her home, by the way, has a giant hole in it. <laughs> like instead of walking through the front door, they can just walk through the gaping hole in the cement. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're locked out because they're, they don't have any money because they live in a society that women have no way of earning money. Right and so you see this character Fiona and you you go there to see this person rise up to the top. There's just no way it's just simply impossible for her. And, and to see her do that, um, and to see her stare those problems in the face and say, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, makes it really inspirational. Totally. And, uh, you know, you factor in some of those other things we talked about in the last episode, uh, the way the film's shot, the settings, um, the pacing, just the way they treat this story. Not, I don't want to say seriously, but like they, they, they treat it respectfully, you know, like it's not, uh, some goofy madcap sports comedy, um, or even some like over the top, uh, overly dramatic sports movie that is, something that some of these movies end up falling into. Sure. You know, like even a movie like the rookie, it's like, all right, this movie's starting to take itself a little bit too seriously um, to the point where like you're trying to make it seem gritty, but by trying to make it seem gritty, it's making it seem romantic. And I don't want that. Right. The uh, greatest game ever played definitely does that in a lot of ways. Like it's still a game, bro. It's still a fun, still a fun game to play. <laughs> and so, um, I don't know. I just continue to be impressed by Queen of Katwe. And I think I'm going to give it the win here.
0: What keeps Queen of Cotway from being kind of like this dark, overly too serious film is, I think, the incredible acting by the kids in it. I think that they not only all did a good job, but they kind of gave you that classic Disney kid comedy along the way. In a lot of these films, including like The Mighty Ducks, kids love to clown each other. You know, and act like kids. And you get a ton of that in this film. When Fiona first rolls up to the uh, after school program, essentially, uh, the, the like afternoon time chess club that the coach was running, uh, all of the, the kids were just like clowning each other in the chess room. And then you see when they get to the like boarding school in, I think, Kenya. Um, or Ghana, uh, they travel else, elsewhere and they're sitting at like a really fancy table and, and foods delivered and the kids jump on that food and they're like ripping the chicken apart and stuff, doing things that like kids who haven't been in the situation would do. Everything was very realistic and, and relatable. And it's, it was comical for the audience, right? It was funny to see this kind of fish out of water characters that we get to see in almost all of these disney sports movies the underdogs show up to the big tournament and they don't know how to act that is a trope of disney sports movies when it comes to like you know teams and and kids so i liked that and i also liked that the very subtle undertone that family was always an influence to fiona like always to wanting to prove her mom wrong to get into chess to Wanting her to support her to completely big doggin' her mom at one point, where she wins all these championships and comes back and is like laying in bed reading the book and is ignoring her chores. To at the end, it doesn't end with her coming back after winning the championship and raising the trophy, and then it fades to black, and that's the end of the movie. But she rewards where she comes from and buys her mom a house. Like, it's awesome. I just love that it came full circle like that. Uh, I I really enjoyed this film. I didn't move the greatest game ever played on last time past D2. And I think that it was a good story. The historical inaccuracy doesn't sit well with me. Queen of Cotway was very accurate. They even, you know, I love a good side-by-side of the who portrays who and at the end we get them actually standing next to each other i i that was a nice touch on the end of that film i loved it i agree with you man queen of Cotway. what a what a cinderella story of a of a movie that i didn't even think i would ever watch it's very good kyle what do you think
1: um i think that there's just a level of authenticity um Mm. that resonates Mm -hmm. when when you watch And i think that's what that's what kind of separates it, really, from the pack. From from the first couple matchups here is just, um, you know, just that that authenticity and that realism, like you said, um, it it makes it resonate with you and it makes it stick out to you and it makes it an enjoyable thing to watch.
0: Let's move on to this next matchup. It is the number two, remember the Titans versus number seven, Invincible. Chris, you had said that you wanted to talk about Invincible. So even though I'm leading off this discussion, I kind of want you to start it with your kind of take on Invincible because talk about desaturated, broody, oh Disney oh. sports filter. Yeah, yeah, sapia-toned. <laughs> like, come on, give me your break. So Chris, go ahead, start us off, please.
2: So first of all, uh, I had never seen Invincible. Neither did I. Uh, I am a. So it, I talk about Game of Thrones all the time on this podcast. I watch other TV shows. One of my <laughs> other favorite TV shows is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. And there is an episode of Always Sunny called The Gang Gets Invincible. Yep. And obviously, the show's set in Philly. And so the episode is like a parody on this uh, movie where the Eagles, in the fictional world of It's Always Sunny, Realize the popularity of Invincible, so they host a (laughs) similar tryout. Um, and like the gang gets just drunk, and Charlie drops acid, and uh, Frank drops acid, and like it's uh, and D like pretends to be a kicker. Oh, it's just so funny! Highly recommend if you got Hulu, please go watch it. Um, and so it was really hard for me to approach this movie because. I I only know the parody version of this movie. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, watching it, I was kind of uh, skeptical. I was I was really looking for this kind of goofy, over the top sports drama, that kind of what I was talking about in the last matchup that that trap that's really easy to fall into, where it's it's so dramatic that it's just goofy. Yeah. Um. And and I don't know that it ever reached that point for me. I thought that. Uh, they did a pretty good job of telling a s- rather simple story that feels super unrealistic. Yep. And this is one of those movies where, yes, they did take a lot of liberties with the situation. A ton. <laughs> um, the dude Vince uh, Papali was a former pro football player in like the Western Football League. And he didn't play college ball because he was a D one track star. <laughs> and like <laughs> uh he didn't do an open tryout. It was a like private tryout. Yep. And he made the team. So um I will acknowledge that like that that element of it was just like, all right. You know, like th- it's kind of what we were talking about with Gus, like to to say that a random person can walk off the street and compete at the level of these professional athletes is sort of an insult to professional athletes.
0: Yeah, totally.
2: Gus did kick footballs really far,
0: though. He did. Know? Draft that donkey, dude. Kick footballs.
2: Um. Okay, so, so that's the premise of the movie. Vince Papali makes it to the Eagles, and he uh, makes it through training camp, many cuts in training camp, and he... Uh, makes the roster and he doesn't do very good in preseason and then ends up uh, playing on special teams and on a kick return forces a fumble. And in the (laughs) movie, he scores a touchdown, but in real life, he ran out of bounds or something. (laughs) uh, Another moment of like extreme liberties that this movie takes. So if you're looking for realistic depictions, this movie ain't it. It's just not. Vince Papali is played by Marky Mark. Uh some people like him. I love him. I love Mark Wahlberg in a movie personally, yeah, I think he's great I
0: don't really have opinions on him. I feel like i'm well, I guess I do have opinions on him subconsciously, like if I see him top build, I'm usually less inclined to go see the movie. I just like don't care.
2: On top of like all of this football stuff, where he's got problems, obviously, like the team doesn't want him there. He's, you know, he's the old guy. He's taking up a roster spot. He's a publicity stunt. Um, you know, his body is not being able to take the beating. He's got stuff in his personal life, like his wife uh, left him, and he's trying to date uh, Elizabeth Banks, who is coming off of a bad breakup, and he's got friends that think he's abandoning them by being a big star. And
0: and even all that's not true. He, yeah, it, like... it turned out that like his wife did leave him, but it was five years before he did any of this Eagles stuff. And then he did end up with a woman named Janet, but it wasn't during his time with the Eagles. It was afterwards. And in fact, he dated and married a second woman, Sandy during his time at the Eagles. So it makes me wonder like in getting the rights to these folks likeness did sandy just be like I, no that was like <laughs> i hated that time of my life <laughs> he obviously left me and started dating someone else and they just went to the most recent wife to use their name and in, in likeness i don't know it's so funny to me
2: a couple things i think this movie does really well number one they capture the philly attitude really well <laughs> P- people from philly are psychotic <laughs> Um, and that is not a slight on anyone from Philly. If you ask someone from Philly, they'll agree. People yeah, from Philly, I mean, you yeah. goddamn right, with psychotic.
0: <laughs> it's a better accent than a lot of the people in this movie did.
2: The way he like plays full contact football like with his buddies. Yeah, what <laughs> like, was that? Like in a muddy dirt lot. I was like, okay, rain
0: scene. <laughs> it feels like
2: a fractured vertebrae, like about to happen. Yeah, insane. this is insane. Insane. Um, and the way that like he has this group of friends that seem like they hate each other and love each other at the exact same time. I thought that was super cool. Yeah. Super unique. Um, and kind of like uh, made the world feel real. Also, the, the I don't know if it was the sound or like the editing or the way it was shot, but it seemed like it captured that physical aspect of football really, really well. The beating that you take on the football field.
0: I was going to say the same thing because there's a corner of my couch that sits a little too close to the subwoofer. And every once in a while, you'll get engulfed in the kind of like home surround sound or the sound bar with subwoofer that we have. And this film felt like I was inside the pads of every football player on that field because you you're in the hit.
2: Some of the thing I think the downside for me for this movie is a lot of the like classic sports movie elements are kind of missing that like, yes, he's trying to get to the roster spot, but that like he has to win the big game thing feels like a cliche, but like I love that. I love that idea that like they got to win the big game. They got to win the big championship that like, oh, everyone has to come together as a team. That's that's not there. Even the like the low points, the like this is this is impossible that this could ever happen. Yeah. Like all along the way, you're kind of like this dude's pretty good. Like (laughs) I feel like I feel like this could really happen. I think he I think he's got it. You know. Um. I guess the only thing is that he's like semi injured a lot. Yes. And that's kind of like that's kind of like the major imposition to Vince making the team. Uh. So that's my that's my invincible piece, Kyle.
0: Awesome. Uh, I thought the movie was boring. I don't really like football a ton. And I thought that this story felt like a lot of what you just said, where I do appreciate a sports movie that's a little bit more team oriented. It's, it's easier to follow. It's more engaging with all the different personalities and kind of just following Vince around and knowing exactly what's going to happen. Like underdog gets the chance and then ends up throwing away the chance and goes back being a regular person, but then rediscovers his love for football and goes and, and succeeds, and he scores a touchdown, which, like, none of that happened. Like, this was just a completely fabricated story around this one time this one dude walked onto the Eagles and made it to special teams and had a short-lived career, it turns out. So, I mean, for me, it's it's not this one it's definitely remember the titans i was more involved in the story of remember the titans you got the team aspect you got the the um, denzel's character as well as his assistant coach you have their character arcs throughout the entire thing Uh, i i just thought it was a much better football film than invincible which felt like they were trying to make football romanticized in invincible where it's this like love story between the dude and and the game as well as if you have that, then you have to have, he gets the girl in the end and that's just played out. So remember the Titans for yeah. me, Chris.
2: Very fair. Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with invincible. Ooh. Um, and, and I think it's because of the ending for me. I remember the Titans really kind of ends on a heavy note and kind of this, uh, you know, Jerry ends up dying in a car wreck, right? <laughs> yes. And like, yes, they come together as a team, but it's, it's like with a heavy heart, they all kind of join hands and that's it. Uh, Kyle, you had a, you had a great Twitter thread back in the day, a movies that made Nina cry. Yeah. And, uh, I, I should start a similar thread for Julia because, uh. (laughs) Invincible, she was just in tears when oh. he scored that touchdown. Happy oh tears God. when he scored. She's like, I, I wish I watched more football after watching <laughs> that movie. Um, and, you know, I, I agreed. I agreed with that take that, like, uh, it ends in a, in a very inspirational type of way that makes you want to go out there and, and try to strive to be the best you are, no matter what season of life that you're currently in. So I'm going with Invincible. This tiebreak's going to Kyle Reeves.
1: Cool. It's gonna be "Remember the Titans" for me, <laughs> um, and I think you guys touched and kind of danced around it a little bit with with the story of this movie and talking about how it doesn't have the big uh, the the big game at the end and, and things like that. And to me, this movie, um, while it's while it's entertaining and it's certainly an interesting story, um, there's times to me that. Dur- during the mid-2000s when when this movie came out it seemed like everybody was trying to get a football movie out and this just seemed like Disney was in, in some ways trying to trying to fit that you had movies like Friday Night lights we are Marshall Gridiron uh, uh, yeah. gang longest Air- I mean you said all these football movies and, and <laughs> to me this one kind of seemed like Disney saying okay let's find a true story an inspirational true story about football so we can so we can cash in on these on these movies, uh, this, this craze of movies right now. Um, and that's not to say that it's not inspirational and it's not a good story. Um, but I feel like there's so much more emotional, uh, resonance to remember the Titans, um, and, and cultural importance, um, that I just can't not advance that one on.
2: All right, let's move on to the last round of eight matchup. It's number three, Cool Runnings, versus number six, Miracle. Kyle Skinner, you offered some very valid criticism, I felt, uh, on the last episode of cool, Run- cool Runnings. The the idea of the incompetent people of color out there on ice and the white savior, Irv Blitzer, coaching them to victory. Yeah. Totally get that. And some of the humor definitely feels a little bit laid on thick in 2022 watching this movie particularly things like uh you know senka falling into the bobsled head first and pissing his pants in the you know like okay Mm -hmm. that's just like sort of unnecessary and i think um some moments like senka being really cold at the airport I felt that was really relatable like to me oh, as same. someone who grew up in some in like Southern California. I was like, all right, when he put himself inside of his own suitcase and yeah. walked outside, I was like, all right, yeah,
0: yeah this yeah. is,
2: this is my personality at the giants. Like this is how everyone I work with sees me as the cold guy. Like that's just who I am. Uh, so I, I felt seen in that moment specifically. <laughs> um, so yeah, like there are those moments, uh, I think a lot of those are humor based. I think, I think a lot of them like are meant for comedic effect, but they just don't come off the way that they're intended to looking back at it
0: now. Right. Yeah, no, totally.
2: There are some really great locales used in cool runnings, much like in the queen of Katwe. Uh, all of this stuff that's shot. I don't know if it's actually on location in Jamaica, uh, but regardless, it looks super real. Yeah, totally. I kind of hinted at some of the conversations around like race being very poignant. Uh, Irv Blitzer confronts the alliance of bobsledders. I don't know what that is, but <laughs> he says, I didn't realize four black guys in a sled made you blush. Right. And I mean, he just comes out and says it, and I think that's a... A very effective thing to do in a kid's movie, totally. you know like just if this movie is about race, doesn't matter if it's for kids, you just put it out there, you know like it's it's a real thing that happens, and it's good for kids to see that, you know hmm on top of that, you've got this team of dudes coming together, they come from different backgrounds, yul Brenner's a little bit you know uh winning fixated. Junior is is kind of like uh got this relationship with his father that's very difficult. Um Doris has is is like way too focused on uh you know fulfilling this destiny that feels like he has to live up to to what his father accomplished. Um and Senka, he's just there. He's just along for the ride, really. But yep. uh I love the conversation that happens right before their final day on the hill when Sanka goes. You know, we can't be copying anyone else's style. We got our own style. Uh totally. we have to be Jamaican, you know? Shut up about the damn Swiss is what he says. Yep. Uh my favorite line in the movie. I've known you since Julie Jeffries asked to see your dingle. <laughs> yeah. And I did not catch that line for <laughs> so long. It was only like a couple of years ago. I was like, wait, what? Yep. I need a I need a cool runnings origin story uh cool runnings prequel where where we see that moment
1: Disney I plus if you're a, listening, uh,
0: i was literally just gonna say give me <laughs> a, a prequel series please i'll take it
2: the series is just called sanka <laughs> yeah. it's like we say it to be funny but like i they might do it who knows yeah this is a great underdog story you know and and like yes i get that that it maybe is not completely historically accurate the perhaps the thing that I like most about this movie and the way that they handle kind of like the race element is not realistic uh, according to people who are at those 1980 Olympic Games the Jamaican bobsled team was met with open arms yeah. by by the competitors so, so yeah, uh, yeah. even that part is is fabricated in what is arguably the best part of that movie so right. Kyle Skinner, I see why you maybe don't like this movie as much as some people. Uh, icon, the iconic speech. Yep. I see pride. I see power. See a badass mother who don't take no crap off of nobody. <laughs> you got the iconic slow clap at the end of the movie. Like Whenever I think of slow claps, yeah, this is the slow one. clap I always think of.
0: Thousand percent.
2: Um. I'm just really into this movie. If I'm having a bad day, all I gotta do is watch this movie and I'm having a good day. <laughs> the thing that is just so difficult is that it's going up against Miracle. And uh, oh. Miracle is, it, it seems like everything we like about all of these movies combined into one movie. Yep. It's got the big, bad, big game that we're working for from the very beginning they're talking about the Soviets and how, how good the Soviet team is like that is set up in the very first scene and takes you through the entire movie. It's all leading up to a showdown with uh, the Soviets in the Olympics. You've got this element of the ragtag team, Kyle, you were talking about how they come from different hockey backgrounds um, and they have to pull together and put aside their differences. You've got uh, that element of magic, you know, that, that, hence the name miracle like nothing short of a miracle is going to be good enough to get these guys over the top and somehow it happens and and this is the perfect example of why i think disney is equipped to tell sports stories is that this is the reason we watch sports is to see something miraculous happen yep and i watch 162 plus baseball games a year and i still will see things that blow my mind Yep, I absolutely. will still find myself saying, no way. I cannot believe that just happened. And and like that is the energy that Disney was born from. That anything can happen if you just believe. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I think arguably Miracle encapsulates that better than any movie on this bracket. Uh, zooming in closer, I mean, come on. Or Brooks. Great moments are born from great opportunities. Uh, uh, Who do you play for? United States of America.
0: I'm telling you this. Oh, man, this movie is so quotable. The other a couple weeks ago, uh, Nina and I went to go watch a Sharks game at a bar with former guest host Kyle Madsen. And I told Kyle that we were going to watch, or we're going to be doing a best sports movie bracket. And he was like, where's Miracle on that? And I was Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's pretty high up there. It's, it's a great film. And he was like, it's incredibly quotable. And we spent the next 30 minutes just reciting quotes to each other. And then today, right before I'm about to hop onto this, he texts me and say, think that'll get him going. (laughs) I was just out of nowhere and I was like, yeah, see, it is great. and I'm, I'm not tired there, of now. hearing about what a
2: good hockey team the Soviets are. Screw them. This is your Jimmy. time.
0: Yeah. Jimmy! Jim- yes Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get the Jimmy scream is in this there about eventually. The
2: damn test? I'll we'll take your damn test. uh <laughs> No, no. Uh, it's Miracle. I'm sorry. I, I hate to do it to Cool Runnings. I love Cool Runnings so much. But if we're talking about like what is a good sports movie, it's got to be Miracle.
0: I, those gripes against Cool Runnings are, are real for me, but they're not as serious as I made them seem. Like I just really wanted to, to preach my piece for The Love Bug, which is a, a great... Disney sports movie and a great film overall, but core runnings is fine. I, there were some times where things got a little cringy where it felt like they were trying to make some caricatures out of Jamaicans and out of people of color, which didn't sit well, but it was also the nineties and that was happening a lot. Uh, music and score by Hans Zimmer. Our boy was two time. at the time he was doing this, he was doing the Lion King. He was just going from stew to stew on the Disney lot, just making sure yeah. that these, these films got out with some tremendous scores. And he did very well. And also a really fun fact about Cool Runnings is that the soundtrack featured Jimmy Cliff's version of I Can See Clearly Now, which is extremely popular now. Yes. It's probably the most popular yes. version, to be honest. And that song went, to be on, went on to be a top 40 single in the US, Canada, France, and UK from this soundtrack, yeah, it's awesome.
2: This this soundtrack is the soundtrack of Blizzard Beach in, at Walt Disney World. I love that. <laughs> you be walking around from waterslide to waterslide, and it's like stir it up, yeah. <laughs> this stir,
0: yeah. Um, and I can confirm for you that this movie was filmed on location, both in Calgary and Jamaica. So you're you're right about that. Sweet, um, sweet, which is great. Adds yep. to to the film. Yeah. But it's definitely Miracle. It's Miracle I think is just a masterpiece in storytelling where there are many different chapters happening at the same time. And you never feel like you're lost and you never feel like you don't remember who is who. They do a very good job at distinguishing characters. Um and it's just a lot of fun. Uh my favorite fun fact is that Most of these guys are hockey players turned actors. It wasn't the other way around, which makes the game and the, you know, the filming of the game that much more authentic is that these fools are hockey players. And then you get Buzz Schneider's son playing him, right? Like it's down to having the family represent themselves. Like the lore that comes with this movie is just incredible. And I think that, you know, lore that comes with some of these. Here you go, everybody. Hope you have your cup in your hand. Iconic Disney moments in Disney films is important to what makes a Disney film a Disney film, let alone a sports film. So I'm definitely moving on Miracle past Cool Runnings. Kyle, what do you think?
1: Uh, I didn't expect Cool Runnings to move past Miracle. So uh, though this is my favorite movie, I am uh, I am not at all upset about this. I think, you know, I, I said it in the last episode, I think Miracle could have been ranked a lot higher, uh, than a sixth seed. Um, so nothing, nothing, uh, irks me about that at all. Um, but I also will say Cool Runnings is my favorite movie. Um, and that doesn't mean it's the best movie I've ever seen. I have to say that it a lot when be. I, when I, when I tell somebody that, um, but I don't know. I've never I've never put the movie on and and not been in a better mood by the time it was over. Um, and I really love that about that movie. Uh, I think um, there's a lot of things the movie about, but I think the movie is about learning. And you look at every single main character in that movie and where they start versus where they end is they have learned something different about themselves. Derice learns, you know, that he doesn't need to to win a gold medal. Um, to, to feel fulfilled in his life. Um, and Junior learns about his relationship with him and his father and that he can be his own man and still have his father's love. Um, and just all these, all these different, um, things. And, uh, and it's something that I'll probably touch on later on. Um, but I think it's the success of some of these earlier nineties movies that, uh, that maybe haven't, uh, some parts of it haven't aged as, as great. And, and, you know, some of the humor, and we talk about that. Um but I think some of them some of these movies walked so that these other later movies could run. Um and that that's my soliloquy for uh for core cool runnings, but um no no qualms with moving a miracle on past it.
0: I'm excited to hear where you go with that that sentiment, uh, because I feel like you've got you're teeing something up for us here. So I'm excited about that. Let's move on to our first Final Four matchup. It's the Mighty Ducks versus the Queen of Cop- And, oh boy, it's crunch time, baby. We got Hmm. 45 seconds left. Yeah, I don't, man, you have this very classic, very Disney 90s movie where they're like, oh, the ducks, oh, the angels, oh, opportunity for us to own them and then capitalize on our ownership of them to spin off into film and to get people into the places and therefore try and make our team more popular. Like it feels very nineties Disney. <laughs> for Can sure. I give you
2: the timeline real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Movie comes out October ninety two. Okay. Franchise awarded to Disney in December of ninety-two. So two months later. Yep. So you gotta you gotta assume that this was being planned before the movie came out.
0: Yep. Team, name was,
2: team name was announced in March of 93. So the movie it probably had gotten to video by that point. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure everyone was expecting it.
0: Yeah. I and mean, then
2: obviously they started play, uh, I think, the following year. 93-94 season. Mm. But like it's interesting that... They made this investment, theoretically not knowing the reception of the film.
0: Sure. Yeah. And it was also, I mean, that was also the era of NHL expansion because a couple of years yes. before that, San Jose gets their team. Um, you have the teams in, the, in Canada and the East swapping places and, and moving around. NHL was trying to revitalize themselves and grow. And so what better gamble to take I guess than to try and own a hockey team and bring it to Southern California where they've seen the Kings have succeeded in you know
2: Uh, and they paid that Disney had to pay the Kings 50 million dollars for as part of the like franchise fee to split the like area or whatever it's called which is kind of interesting
0: that is interesting Um,
2: and the and the Ducks uh made it to the playoffs in 96. So like three years after they became a franchise and they, their first season, they set a record for wins for an expansion team. Oh, so, and which, I mean, it wasn't that great, but like back then <laughs> the expansion draft was a joke back then. Like it ah. wasn't like Vegas golden Knight status where you can just like get a pretty good team. It, it was like embarrassing, um, and they really, it was really it took them a long time traditionally, um, but their Paul Korea panned out seven time All Star. Yeah, right. And so, like when I think about this whole operation, it just feels like an accident. <laughs> like <laughs> the fact that the fact that the movie went well, the fact that the naming went well, the fact that they ended up being like a decent team in the mid to late nineties. Um, and like not to mention, Ducks merch was the best selling merch in hockey at the time. So like the branding, additionally, you know, the color scheme and the Jersey design and the logo design, like you look at teams today, like how often do Jersey unveils go well nowadays? It's like one out of 10 goes well and nine out of 10 falls on its face. So looking back, I just, I just look at this whole thing and I'm like, how did it succeed?
0: (laughs) It's a miracle, especially at like Disney at that time, you just have uh, Michael Eisner having just kind of joined in the mid 80s. And then he declares the 90s, the Disney decade where he's going to bring the company back and not in anything that I've ever read or anything that I've ever seen has even touched upon the acquisition of the ducks. And so I'm super like, now I'm very interested in finding out more on the history and the conversations that happened around that. Like, uh, like you said, those conversations started way before the film ever debuted. Like that's what it takes to get a a team in California into a new city. So I think that is just it's just so interesting. And you're right, that everything hit just right. Um, it's interesting that this film has such a low, like critic and current Rotten Tomatoes score because it's just so beloved that you feel yeah. like. The yeah. audience would come in and just kind of outweigh it, <laughs> you know, it's um, so
2: weird. Like this is, you know, people are nostalgic for nostalgia, maybe like they just, sure. uh, I mean, but I saw a kid, I went ice skating in Pittsburgh last weekend at an outdoor rink and there was like an eight year old with an Adam Banks Jersey on, oh, you know, incredible. It's, yeah. it's, it holds up. It holds <laughs> up.
0: <laughs> yeah, it does hold up. And that's what's so fun and timeless about this film and why it makes it such a great Disney movie is that we like those timeless Disney movies. We like those films that we can go back to and watch over and over again and feel like not only are we have we seen it a million times, but it brings some sort of comfort and joy and holds up. And I feel like this film does uh you get you know Emilio Estevez giving a great performance as this coach who doesn't like kids very much <laughs> and and it's believable and you have the rowdy 90s teenage angst aged kids who are coming together and putting their egos aside to be a you know a craftily great hockey team and i think that the hodgepodge and patch together work it was what makes a great sports movie you said it chris like this seems impossible and yet they're able to to make it happen so this is on the fantasy side of things that disney does very well Is like we make the impossible possible sort of mindset and the mighty ducks does that through and through and let alone that we get some of our you know, most beloved child actors out of the mighty ducks in general. And, and not even just this first film, but the franchise. And, you know, I, I, I just really, really like, um, the mighty ducks and it's up against Queen of Cotway, which we've talked in depth about. And do you get the true Disney storytelling? You get the authenticity, you get the craft, you get the, heartwarming the you know now we're we're always going to assume that our hero is going to win out so like this chess thing doesn't seem super impossible especially as she's like this 14 year old girl who is just like raw and her next thing is i'ma be a grandmaster and we're like you could probably be a grandmaster to be honest like (laughs) you've shown me nothing this entire film that says that you couldn't be a grandmaster at chess Uh, And maybe that's just me not knowing chess at all. But I was convinced that like we're coasting through the rest of this film. Like she's going to go to this grandmaster tournament. She's going to defeat Canada handily. Also need to look up. Is this the first uh, Uganda versus Canada matchup in a sporting event ever? (laughs) Because I was like, I've never, (laughs) these countries have never met in a sporting match. I, I can't believe that. Um, But yeah, so it, it, you feel like she's going to win out in the end. And she does. But the nice, you know, basket of flowers that she gets is that she's able to provide her mom with a new house. Ah, this is tough. I mean, part of me just wants to advance Mighty Ducks because I think it is that quintessential Disney sports movie. But part of me wants to be hard headed and give Catway another round through because I think it's a really well done sports film. I think no matter what I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be like you're an idiot. Why would you make that decision? I'm going to go I'm going to go Mighty Ducks here. I think there's just the right amount of hijinks but there's enough heart as well. Uh, Catway has a ton of ha- all heart. Um, some hijinks but I think that we're used to a little bit more on the, you know, lighthearted side when it comes to these Disney films.
2: And it's interesting that you say that. Cause I feel the same way. And yet we're left with three dramatic movies and one like children's sure. comedy movie. Sure. Um, so it's like, what r- really, what is a Disney sports movie? Like, is it a drama? It kind of seems like it. Cause it seems like most of them are dramas. You mm-hmm. know, most of them are attempts at gritty dramas, which is interesting um but but i i kind of tend to agree with that take um the one thing that queen of Katwe does really well that is something that the rookie did the sport is so important to the integrity of the movie right uh there's a parable between chess and fiona's life that in life you have to Look multiple moves ahead. You have to be creative to get uh, to where you need to go. Uh, a pawn can become a queen yep. if they get across the board, and that is also important to the themes and the action in Queen of Katwe. And you look at a movie like The Mighty Ducks, and like if you swap out hockey for volleyball, it's the same movie. <laughs> right. Whereas you know if you swap out Queen of Katwe for rowing you ha- you might have to reorganize a lot of stuff to make sure. it make more, make it make sense. So I appreciate that about queen of Cotway. Um, but I don't think it's enough to down the mighty ducks, the absolute juggernaut at the number one seed going to the finals. Kyle Reeves, do you agree?
1: Oh, I agree. Yeah. Um, and that's at no, uh, no discredit to, to Cotway. It deserved to be where it was. Uh, at the end, and um, but I also think that you you get to this point, and The Mighty Ducks is just such an influential movie um, for sports movies, and you know for children comedy movies. Sure. Um, you, you think of the the wave of movies that The Mighty Ducks spawned as well. You had The Sandlot, which we've already talked about a little bit, coming after this, and uh, The Big Green, and, and so many of these movies that we maybe don't get if the mighty ducks isn't successful. So, um, yeah, it's, it's the mighty ducks for me, just the charm and, and the, the underdog nature of it. Uh, it really shines through.
2: All right. Who will the mighty ducks meet in the finals? Will it be team USA from the number six seed miracle, or will it be the Titans from the number two seed? Remember the Titans, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we hit all of the notes for me on um, Miracle and why I think it is a, a superior sports movie. It's got, um, you know, that very clear trajectory that, that is really important to me. Um, and it really feels like it leads with the sports and all of those other themes fall in behind the sports. Whereas Remember the Titans feels like it leads with the themes and the sports fall in behind it. Some other standout moments from Miracle for me. Obviously, the eyebrows. Yep. Y'all. The your winged. boy's got <laughs> your, your boy, meaning me, I got some thick, I got some thick boy eyebrows. <laughs> I went and got my hair cut yesterday and I was like, excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> I need you to take care of these eyebrows because I'm starting to look like the, the Soviet coach over here. <laughs> yeah. Um also um there's a shower scene in Miracle? Yeah. Where everyone's like taking a shower together and like squirting body wash all over each other? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh feels super out of place and it's one of those ones that much like Gus, it just like it happens and then it's gone. You're like, "Wait, did I just see a, a scene where they're all like squirting body wash all over each other in the shower?"
0: It was also like during a team building montage where they're like <laughs> right. finally starting to click and <laughs> like their their workouts were getting easier, and everyone was hitting the drills as they should, and everyone was starting to like each other, and then they're in the shower, and then they go back and run lines, and then like, <laughs> it just gets kind of thrown in there really fast
2: <laughs> like in the edit, someone had to have noticed that, right? They were like, "Do you want me to keep this?"
0: <laughs> they're like, yes, you want me absolutely.
2: to keep this sho-? all right, okay. <laughs> factual kind of like inaccuracies or maybe this isn't a factual inaccuracy. Maybe this is how it was. The press box at this game was on the glass. These (laughs) dudes were like covering the game from ice level. Yeah. And I was like, that's that's like crazy. Yeah, could have been. Because they're talking about how expensive these seats are and you're telling me like you got 30 seats that you're giving to like these old press dudes? Yeah. (laughs) I mean... I would, I would love to hear y'all's take on this, but like, I'm the type of person that like, get me as far away from the game action as possible, as yep. long as there's good Wi-Fi. Don't, don't need to have a good view. I don't. Mostly because I'm afraid of the ball coming and hitting me in the <laughs> face when I'm trying to tweet.
0: Yeah, I, when working in sports, I never actually cared where they put me, as long as the Wi-Fi worked.
2: Exactly like they have these auxiliary press boxes and they're like, Oh, this is where you're sitting for the postseason." I'm like, I'm going to go back to the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, but I'm more useful back at the Hyatt.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> and in le- the left field pavilion, when uh, I'm sharing the Wi-Fi speed with the guy from West Covina who drove up and is drunk in the bleachers at Dodger stadium. <laughs>
0: uh- Dude, Cleveland uh, for the All-Star Game and whatever year that was, their auxiliary press box was in like a conference room that was in right field, way up top, that didn't actually have like seats. So we all sat at like bar tops, like super high up. And then there weren't enough outlets. So like we were all either sitting not on the glass and sitting at round tables behind us where the outlets were or sitting on the glass and just risking our battery life for this All-Star game. It was tragic. I hated
1: it. Denver this year was in the uh, the middle deck of the right field corner, so oh. oh gosh. In in bleacher seats. It was it was a But we did have outlets. That's good.
0: I think that Oakland put auxiliary press box in the third deck of the Coliseum for the 2019 wild card versus Tampa Bay. I'm almost positive. That's where they had to go. And let me tell you, Chris talk about being cold, like October in the Bay at night, not really where you want to be, let alone at the top deck of the Coliseum where it's just windy as hell.
2: (laughs) I, Uh, I I like they announced this field of dreams game in Iowa. And I was like, I'm so glad I don't work for the Yankees anymore. Do they even have internet in Iowa? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, no Colin. disrespect to Iowans. Matt, Matt Golden's listening to this podcast, I'm sorry.
1: On their dial-up. Yeah. yeah. There you go.
2: Um, I digress. The Mike Aruzioni celebration
0: mm.
2: when he scores that that ga- what would eventually become the game-winning goal. Yep. That running on ice. Oh, 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 oh. Top tier, top tier Selly. So good. One moment that kind of made me like roll my eyes a little bit. And I know we kind of talked about this being a positive of Miracle. Them coming from quote unquote different backgrounds (laughs) to like become a team. Herb Brooks says that in a, in like a voiceover narration at the end. He's like, what would they ask me? What was the best moment? Is uh, right here, standing here watching 20 men from such differing backgrounds. Sure. What the national, and it's like a side shot of all of the dudes, and they all look like that meme of like all the dudes at the baseball game. Yeah. Who <laughs> 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 all look like the exact same person. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, yeah. Such well, differing backgrounds indeed.
0: As in the sport of hockey, it absolutely is. Right.
2: Yeah, It's Miracle. Miracle's Miracle's got everything that I love in a sports movie. Um, I do love some of the more serious topics that Remember the Titans tackles. And I wish that Miracle maybe did some more of that. But there just really isn't a lot to cover in Miracle either. You know, so it's like, there's no room for it at the same time.
0: Yeah. And I think we would have down miracle if they did that. It, when you're telling one of these true stories, you really want to see how historically factual they can be. And that's the an issue with Remember the Titans. The movie shows that the the school TC Williams gets integrated as the film starts, but it was integrated like six years before the time of this this film. Um, my favorite and most forced. Part of the story was Sunshine kissing Gary in the locker room, which never happened, he says. Anyways, he says, and then also that he was the only one with long hair because he's from California. But at that time, like almost all of them had long hair. Like it was this very odd trying to make an white guy an outsider in this already like contentious locker room. I thought that was a little bit forced. And then, like, the drama of that championship game, Gary got into a car accident and was paralyzed, but it was days after they won the championship game. Like Gary played in that championship game, uh, and he got paralyzed after coming home from the banquet that celebrated that championship game. Um, and then obviously tragically, as we saw at the end of the movie, he ends up passing away very early. Um, but it's just all of these things that makes always kind of annoys me when it comes to these based on the true stories. Because I want to see a thematic representation of the story. But when you're shoehorning in historical events just to add to the drama, it then makes, I don't know, it upsets me. It takes me out of it a little bit. Um, so obviously, wouldn't have known that unless I went back and read it, in which I did because we're doing a podcast on these sports movies, but to the everyday person, like, yeah, it's a very empowering, inspiring story that Disney loves to do, but it's definitely miracle here. (laughs) There's no contest. Uh, We're going to have a battle of the hockey teams in the finals of this best Disney sports bracket. Uh, Kyle Reeves, what'd you think about that?
1: Uh, I think that miracle and remember the Titans are probably two of, not just the best, like Disney sports movies of all time, just two of the greatest sports movies of all time, two of the greatest just human movies of all time. So, um, splitting the hairs between these, uh, it, it, yeah, it doesn't bother me at all. Uh, these movies are very much on the same plane for me. Um, and I think Miracle is an incredible movie And Rim of the Titans as well. Um, but moving, moving Miracle on doesn't bother me one bit. Um, and, and yeah, I'm just excited to, uh, uh, to see how this, how this matchup goes here. Cause we've got, we've got classic versus, uh, versus timeless almost.
0: Oh yeah. I definitely agree with that. And it's the number one, the mighty ducks versus the number six miracle. And we've discussed enough. I think that these two films give us characters that we love. They give us coaches that we love to hate, but then also love their madness. They give us a championship game against the big bad. Obviously, USA's is not the championship, but they treat it like it is because it's kind of the championship of the world at that point, right? And then they go on to win the gold. And I always thought that was so bizarre. Like, young Kyle was like, wait a minute. This film was about a game in which they won to go to the the medal round essentially or to the the gold medal game but this wasn't the gold medal like that felt like that was the miracle but obviously as you grow up and you realize the stakes and the history behind it it's very obvious why this was a miracle um shout out disney bringing al michael's back to record a lot of the oh, yeah. annou- the play-by-play and then 2 years later trading him for oswald the rabbit and <laughs> and saying goodbye I thought that was... I mean, if if the dude's on your roster, go ahead and bring him in the movie so that it's easier to film these plays, right? And have some continuity. But it's so funny and also really chill-inducing when at the during the countdown, they go back to the original broadcast of Al Michaels and screaming, yeah. Do You Believe in Miracles? Yes. And his voice is just so much younger. Like, <laughs> like he's just so much more of a rookie announcer in in that and you can hear it in his voice, but it's great. I think that, in my opinion, Miracle is the greatest sports movie of all time and it has the, as I just said, the character development, the drama, the big bad, the big win, the inspiring, uplifting, this team could never have done it and yet here they are doing it. it and let alone it actually happened, which gives you even more inspiration to think that, these things can happen and because they have, they will. And as Chris said, you never know what you're going to get when you go to a sports game. So I'm crowning miracle as the best Disney sports movie.
2: So I would say that there is more magic in the air and miracle. Yep. And if I was going to use one thing to put miracle over mighty ducks, that would be it. Um, but I'm not going to put Miracle over the Mighty Ducks, um, and here's why. And this is just me being a a fan of movies. Uh, I think that the Mighty Ducks does a better job pulling in other themes on top of the sports. Uh, Miracle is is very much a sports movie, and like there's they they try to bring in stuff like all right, Jim Craig is like a bad boy and the Minnesota and Boston guys have a a rivalry. And, uh, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it speaks to a lot of themes outside of like, let's do the impossible. And mighty ducks brings in things like, um, Gordon trying to reclaim his glory after he bottoms out. Charlie trying to find a daddy. And a, and a sense of family. And Fulton Reed, like, not pushing people away and being a punk. Sure. Uh, there's, I talked about class stuff in Greatest Game Ever Played and Queen of Cotway. There's, there's some of that in the Mighty Ducks, too. Adam Banks is, like, comes from the other side of the tracks where, you know, they call him a cake eater because he's, like, well-to-do. Um, and, and it's about a team welcoming him and him kind of meeting his team where, he's, where they're at. Um, you've got you've got the ultra competitive children stuff in there too. The the dad Adam Banks's dad being like, no, I refuse to let my son play at all if he can't play for the best team. Mm-hmm. Um, there's drama with, with Gordon versus the team. You know, like there, there's that moment where they miss here. I'm saying, oh, they are losers, whatever. Um, the team having drama with itself. Uh, there's that moment uh, towards the beginning where Gordon encourages the Ducks to like cheat to win, Um, you know, draw penalties on purpose and, and dive. And so it kind of gives that winning, but at what cost theme. Uh, And, and, and all of that stuff is really what this movie is about to me. Um, And, and defeating the Hawks is, is just the finish line for all of those smaller themes, smaller conflicts, smaller relationships that happen in the movie. Um and that's not to say there isn't some magic involved here either like it takes a tremendous amount of teamwork and creativity and willpower for the ducks to overcome the the unbeatable hawks you know uh the flying v is introduced in this movie yes yeah yeah so like i love that idea of uh kind of them using their wits to to defeat an unbeatable team. Whereas Team USA, like they just kind of grind it out, you know, (laughs) and like it really, what puts them over the top is that conditioning that Herb Brooks had instilled upon them, you know, all of those late nights in the arena and, and doing lines and stuff uh, ends up paying off. But, uh, I think it's the mighty ducks for me. And I think I, 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 I loved the Travis Pastrana cameo in, in and in Motocrossed and I love the Basil McRae and Mike Medano cameo <laughs> in uh the Mighty Ducks when uh. when Mike Madano has the best line in the movie. I heard you became a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> such, a, such a let's give Mike Madano a super weird line. Um it's the Mighty Ducks. I'm doing it. The number one seed Mighty Ducks is the champ for me. So Kyle Reeves, it's all on you, my guy.
1: When I look at these two movies, um, there's a lot of similarities between the two of them. Obviously, you know the subject matter of hockey, um, throwing that one out. But you get the building the team aspect. You get the, the, you know, the the coach that is, you know, very much for the early part of the movie while assembling the team, um, very much not on the same page as players. You get the big bad team um, that really wipes the ice with. With with our with our protagonists uh, the first time they meet, um, and then you get you know them coming together, um, and and eventually overcoming that. Um, and to me, the, the the inspiration of it happening in real life, um, and and the themes of showing um, that with with hard work, determination, uh, teamwork, you can. Truly accomplish real, real life impossible to do things. Uh, the inspiration of that, I think, outweighs the fiction of some of the parts of the Mighty Ducks. And not to say those themes aren't present in the Mighty Ducks. I love the Mighty Ducks because of because of so many of those things, and because it shows the joys of youth sports, um, and and playing for each other, and all those different things. But at the same time. Um a large part of the Mighty Ducks is gimmicks too, you know. And that's that's kind of the fun part of it. And that's Definitely, not yeah, that's not to take it back, but the real world application of that um of of hard work, you know, be being greater than talent if if hard work is outworking that talent. Um and you know, I alluded to it a little bit earlier saying the Mighty Ducks and these other nineties movies walked so that these movies in the 2000s can run. And I really believe that with with this movie as well. It showed that the template of setting down this building the team um, and bringing them together through this adversity uh, to overcome insurmountable things, and the fact that this is something that actually happened, they were very close to the source material with it uh, and turned it into um, a moving and motivating movie. Uh, That's what sets Miracle apart for me.
2: All right, folks. We've done it. We've got a winner. The best (laughs) Disney sports movie is Miracle. So like we do at the end of every bracket, we're going to clap it out.
0: Didn't even get to mention Jimmy's dad screaming Jimmy at every point that he could. Uh, And and we love him for that. Uh, Yeah, I mean... You know, I can't say that I didn't want this to happen because I definitely did because I think that Miracle is just such a fantastic movie. But it's I think it's very fitting, and Kyle, you summed it up very well, that these two movies were really the bread and butter of Disney sports films. And Mighty Ducks really got them going, especially when you watch things like Gus from the early days where it's just like, what is this? Uh, you get the Mighty Ducks and they finally figure out that formula through some bumps and they get to something like Miracle, Remember the Titans, all that good stuff. So I think this is the matchup that was meant to be. That final four was great. It's all were worthy, but that, that was fun. It's always tough doing these movie brackets, Chris, because there's so much content to consume, but this was a great one. I, I love doing the sports one.
2: I think for for 16 sports movies, they were all very different in a lot of ways too. It was, it was nice to, to have some similar aspects that we can all kind of like hold them to, but also look at the ways in which they're different and thus a better or worse than one another. So I thought, this, I thought we had some great conversations, super fun. And Kyle Reeves, thank you so much for, for hopping back on the podcast. I think, you're, I think you might be the record holder for longest gap in between Mouse <laughs> Madness co-hosting <laughs> sessions.
1: Well, I will catch you guys again in uh, 2025. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody you know how to reach us do you have something to say about our sports movie takes do you have a bracket idea of your own would you like to hop on and do some co-hosting we would love to hear from you email us at mouse podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media we are on instagram twitter facebook and discord if you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can head to patreon.com slash mousemadness and join us at the $5 level by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang, where you have access to exclusive Patreon-only episodes and bonus content, Disney trivia sessions, and the ability to vote on bracket topics. So we'd love to, to have you there. Till next time, folks, just remember, ducks fly together.